Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the many, many things you've blessed us with all throughout this day already. And now the blessed opportunity to be able to get into your word and to do this study. Help us to understand it and apply it in the right way. Learn from it and encourage us to share it with others. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Now beginning our study here on a chronological plan of study. To study the Bible in a timeline event order, you might say. So starting with creation and going all the way through to the last days. So in that, we see that the books of the Bible are not laid out in such a way because they are separated in sections, not necessarily in a timeline layout. Of course, you have the Old Testament and the New Testament, which makes a very good break in the timeline. But here, as we begin in Genesis chapter 1, we see right from the beginning of all that we know exists in the physical world of all creation that we can see as it begins in Genesis chapter 1. And then we'll continue through Genesis till it has a break where we plug in the book of Job in the timeline. But you'll see how that unfolds. But let's get right into it in Genesis chapter 1. Where it reads, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, in your Bibles, many of them have divisions and notes they have little symbols which indicate various breaks and they are laid out in there for our study as you see we have chapters we have verses they were not in the original writings so many times you need to ignore the chapter or verse break in order to continue the point of study that you're on the event or the point that the Lord is trying to make for us to know. Sometimes you've got to ignore those. But there have been people that have taken the verse breaks and decided that they are time breaks, that they are breaks that indicate a, an event taking place between chapters or between verses. They have mistakenly used this as a tool to it convinced people of their false teaching. Now, they might not have false in teaching intent, but in their mistakes, they have used the verse breaks as points to highlight the credence of their beliefs, which is false right from the beginning. Because we just read verses 1 and 2. As I say, there were, originally there was no verses, no breaks, I should say. This is all written as one book. The entire book of Genesis was written as one book with no verse breaks and chapter breaks. But they plug in a whole range, a whole group of beliefs in what we have here as a break between verses 1 and 2. And there's some really crazy beliefs that people have tried to plug in there. They have compromised the Word of God. They have tried to take the wisdom, the false wisdom of man and plug it into the Bible. And they search and they try to find where can they plug it in. And this is one of the places where they try to plug in evolution. 
in between verses 1 and 2. And the chaos theory, and the destruction and reconstruction theory, and there's oh, a dozen more various theories that people have tried to plug in to try to bring in evolution into the Bible. To try to say, this is where it all happened, this is where this happened, that's where that happened, that's why we have fossils, that's why we have extinct dinosaurs and so forth. They try to plug all that into the area between verses 1 and 2. Well, there is no area between verses 1 and 2. It all flows together. But let's take a little bit deeper look into these two verses. Where it says, in the beginning, God. The word God there is a Hebrew word, Elohim. And Elohim is a very complex word which is a plural word, not a singular word, which means the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's what it's saying here when you see the word God. If you went back to the Hebrew, you would see Elohim, which is the, the name and the word for the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Right from the beginning was the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ didn't come into existence at Christmas time that we celebrate. Jesus Christ was from the beginning. Jesus Christ and God are everlasting. Everlasting past, present, and everlasting future. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, heaven here is singular and earth. So he's given us a description of a particular heaven and a particular earth. The earth that we know exists right now that we are on. And a particular heaven. So which one of these heavens? This is not speaking of the beginning of the area that God lives in. The word heaven is a very complex word if you go through the studies because it is used for many various things. It can be heaven being the atmosphere. It can be heaven being the space around us where the stars and the planets are. Heaven can be where God dwells. Basically, there are three heavens that are referred to in the Word of God. The third heaven is where God and Jesus Christ sitting on the right hand of the Father is at right now. That's the third heaven. The second heaven is what we would call the cosmos, space, outer space, all around. And the first heaven is what we have as our hemisphere. The Basically, the bubble of area around the earth, which is created as a shield, created as an environment, and he goes into some details of what he does with this particular heaven as we get further into that. All right, so that's where we have the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. All right, then verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. This is one of the verses that they take and totally distort out of reality and plug in all kinds of stuff. One of the most prominent one is the, the destruction and reconstruction, the chaos theory of when this is when Satan destroyed a lot of stuff on the planet. This is when the, the apes evolved into man and Neanderthal and so forth. They're saying that all that evil was on the planet, and that's why there is void and darkness, because 
it had to be destroyed and I mean it just go on and on and on I mean chapters after chapters of imaginations where people have thrown and try to plug into here and it is sad to say that even Schofield in his writings if you have a Schofield study Bible he even mistake that teaching of that time and tried to think that okay there's a gap in there and he he promoted the gap theory that there was a gap between verses 1 and 2 of of eons of time that were in there but that was mistaken I've heard and been taught that he, re, he regretted that after he put out the Schofield study Bible that he regretted putting those notes in there he even put some notes in there about the Sun and the moon which we'll cover later that were incorrect but they would not change it because the book had already been published and released and they didn't want to have to recall that and lose all that money that's the rumor that I've been taught I don't have confirmation of that but they said that he went to his grave regretting the footnotes that he put in the Schofield study Bible now don't consider your Schofield study Bible as worthless because a lot of the Schofield study notes are very good and if you notice there are spelling differences in the Schofield study Bible because of the differences in the way things were spelled in the 1611 and in the 1769 Bible. Like I was speaking of earlier, we have and we use the King James Version of the Bible. But don't mistake it for the 1611. The 1611 also has the books of the Apocrypha in there, which the Bible that we have, the King James Version is not the 1611. The spelling is different because I dare say if you pick up an original 1611 and pick it up and start to read it, you're going to be confused on even the pronunciation or how to read some of the words because of the way it is spelled. When the, when the pilgrims come to the U.S. fleeing persecution in the Europe, they come over and they develop the 1769 Bible that we have today, leaving out the apocryphy and having the spellings clearer for us to be able to understand back then. So if you look at the beginning of your book, you'll see in your Bible it says the 1769. It does not say the 1611. So I've even seen preachers hold up the 1769 and say, I go by the 1611 King James Version, and they got the 1769 in their hand. They don't even know what they're talking about. But that's a mistake that people commonly make. So don't fall into that. So I go say all that to caution you about any study Bible. When you have footnotes, you have those references, always take those footnotes as some guy's opinion, some other fellow's opinion of what that said. Read it, study it for yourself. The Holy Ghost will give you the understanding of what the message is that he wants you to know at the time you need to know it. So I say all that to caution you about the false teachings that are found within verse 2 of Genesis. All right, let's go right to the beginning once again. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Very important point, the first day. This is where he establishes time. He spoke time into existence. Time as we know it. Because Jesus Christ 
and God the Father are outside of time. He spoke time into existence. And one thing I want to point out here is where it says, and God said, the speaking is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the Word of God. So anywhere in here in, in Genesis chapter 1, you see God said, God said, that's Jesus Christ speaking everything into existence. We'll cover that further when we get all the way over into the New Testament where John acknowledges this in John chapter 1. Well, in fact, let's just read that right now as a reference because you can see the importance of that reference to the Word. Because in the Gospel of John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then all the way over in verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Of course, Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is the Word. So when you see in the Scriptures, where it's the God said, it's Jesus Christ speaking. Now don't confuse that with when it refers to the Heavenly Father speaking to Jesus Christ or the Heavenly Father speaking and references as well. But here in creation, confirmed in the New Testament, where it says God said, this is Jesus Christ speaking in this situation here. All right, back over there, which says, it says the first day. And it says he created light. It does not say he created the sun yet, but it does say he created light. Jesus Christ spoke light into existence. The effect that we see of light. We can manipulate light. We can use light ourselves. We can strike a match and see the light from the flame, light a candle and see that. We can turn on electricity and see how we've manipulated the forces that God has created into light that we have around us right now. We know light is that. But Jesus Christ spoke that process of a light existing in any form. He spoke that into existence right here on day one. Back over into Genesis chapter 1, beginning up in verse 6. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Firmament is a zone, is a space, it is a gap. So you have a detail here talking about how the Lord has created a basically a bubble around the earth and there is water inside this bubble and the earth was right in the core of it. So he divides the waters so that there is a space between the waters that are on the globe, on the earth, and the waters that are up in the edge of that bubble, which is part of that firmament, that heaven, because the third heaven, we talk about those three, this is the first one, and he raises that water up. So basically you have a vast amount of water in a big bubble, and then there's a space, and then down to the earth, and the earth is covered with water. So this upper area 
would be in our outer hemisphere, in the outer reaches, where we have gases, we have ozone, we have various things up there now that's kind of our shield from the sun. Well, at one time, there was a much better shield all around the planet, and that was this water. There was a big bubble around the earth, and it would have been in the form of vapor and ice crystals. And that was all around the planet. Why? Because this would create a perfect greenhouse effect. These wackos that are against greenhouse effect know nothing about greenhouse effect. But it was a perfect greenhouse effect because it would create a higher barometric pressure, a higher oxygen content, and a more stable temperature all the time underneath this big bubble of water. It would protect us from the harmful radiation of the sun and it would create, like I say, a perfect living condition. So everything would live longer, would grow better, faster, stronger, and as I say, live longer under this protective bubble of this area that is identifying these waters within that firmament. All right, verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together unto one place, and let the dried land appear, and it was so. So this waters under the heaven is under that first heaven, which is that hemisphere that we have, this outer barrier, our big bubble. Let the waters that are down below in between that gap on the earth be separated from the dry land. There is enough water on this planet right now to completely cover the planet if you was to mash the mountains down into the valleys and down into the deep depths of the ocean, into the craters of the ocean, the deep caverns and crevices and the, and the fountains of the deep, the cracks that are down there. If you filled all that in with all the land, there's enough water to totally cover the planet right now and totally envelop it like he did during the great flood that we'll get into when we get to that. So that's the way it started out. So, but he raises up the land and he separates the water from the land. Now at this time there would have been one continent, one section of land and the water around it. What shape it was in is uncertain. A lot of theories on that. How the waters were in one area and the land was in another. What was it shaped like? How did it range? How far was it? How big was it? We don't know. It's all speculation. But we know that it was divided from the dry land and the oceans, the seas as he calls them. Read verse 9 again. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, notice one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. Notice the term, his kind, referring to a species, a, an existence of a created substance. So here we have the plants. So a fruit tree reproduces fruit. Whether it be apples, reproduce apples, pears, reproduce pears, cherries, cherries, grass, grass, so forth. 
their kind. As it continues, And the earth brought forth grass, and the herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. The stars. He just throws that in there. The vast cosmos with all the countless stars. And he made the stars also. He just threw that out there. It's like, I've got some leftover materials here. Let me just sling it out there and make a bunch of other stuff. But an interesting point here. This is day four when he creates the sun. He's already created plants and they're growing. He has the light already there. But he didn't need the sun for that light. But now he establishes a pattern of cycles, seasons, and so forth. So he puts the sun there in place of the light that he is providing himself to establish the seasons. The seasons, the summer, the winter, the spring, the fall, those are the seasons. And establish a clock because he says for days and for years. The cycle of the day and the night he establishes as well. So he sets all that in place and creates, as I say, the sun and the moon at this time. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Not that it was okay, it was good. So everything was perfect. So he establishes this, the day and the night and the cycles, the seasons and so forth, all laid out there in his perfection. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Now this is where I said earlier that Schofield kind of messed up. Schofield said that this was when it was revealed. It doesn't say he revealed it. He created it then. Created it on the fourth day, not revealed it. As it continues, in the evening and morning were the fourth day. He tells us, evening and morning, giving us that cycle, letting us know that this is a 24-hour period. Evening and morning, evening and morning. He repeats that over and over. Verse 20, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And, he, and God created great whales and every living creature that moveth which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, and saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth, and the evening and the morning were the fifth day. The fifth day. He created all these vast sea creatures, and all the flying creatures of all sorts. As it continues, oh, one thing I want to point out here in verse 22, where it says, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. The word fill there is male. 
It's a Hebrew word, male, which means to fill. All right? Hold that thought. As it continues in verse 24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. All creatures of all time created right there. Boom. In their kind. Not evolving from one creature into another. No. Their kind. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth. Notice it said, let us make man. Identifying the plurality of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Let us, very important part there where he put, let us make man. Over all the earth and over every cre creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Male and female not male, female, and somewhere mixed in between, capable of changing whatever they wanted, like we see the craziness of today. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Notice where he said replenish. Replenish would make you think that well, they needed to restore it or bring it back to what it was. This is one of the words that was mistranslated and put in here and confuses many people. The word replenish here is maule, which is the same word that you see over in verse 22 where it says, and fill the waters. Verse 22 is translated as fill. And then in verse 28, it's translated as replenish. It's the same exact Hebrew word. It should not have been translated as the word replenish. It should have been translated as the word fill. Which is a very important note to put in your studies. It is he told them to fill that, not to refill it or replenish it. One of the areas that you find a misinterpretation of a word because of false teachings that was going on during the translations of the Bibles. You've got to go back to the original to understand what he's saying because it was no refilling or replenishing. It was to fill up the earth from the beginning. Read that again. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Or be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the, all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat." to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, 
it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So basically, everything on the planet consumed plant matter. There were vegans everywhere back then. Now there's a few that are still surviving, but basically there were vegetarians and vegans everywhere. They were perfect vegetables, perfect fruits to eat, unlike what we have today. But they were perfect. And even the animals, they did not consume each other. They didn't devour each other. They were designed and capable of eating plant matter. And that's the way that they were created, and that's the way they were designed, and they were perfectly capable of doing that. People have experimented with this. They had a lion that they raised on plant matter, grass and so forth, feeding it hay, and it did fine. There were other experiments through the ages. They can take bales of, of kelp. Kelp is kind of a seaweed. They use it in various supplements and so forth because it's very nutritious, but they're very widespread in the oceans. You can find kelp in a lot of places. You take bales of kelp and sharks just love it. They devour it. They'll eat up that kelp. They were designed for that. That's why their teeth are designed the way they are. They could shred that kelp and eat it. Of course, when the fall of man and the evil come upon the planet and Satan influence and even the animals, then you have the them devouring each other and everything. So that come along later. The animals were created not to eat animal matter or each other. They were created to eat vegetables and fruit, just as we were. And then let's jump right into chapter 2 here, because here's a place where one of those breaks should not have been in there. As it continues in chapter 2, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. That would be a perfect place for a, a chapter break. Because then in verse 4, he gets into a statement, these are the generations. Where you see that these are the generations, it says, it's basically, let's look back at some history. Let's look at some details. So he gets into the details about some of the creation process, about creating man specifically, and him identifying and, and naming all the animals. So he gets into that. This is one of those places where some people try to plug in, oh, a whole new creation, a whole different event. This is where Adam did this and Eve did that and Satan did this and throw in a whole big imaginary belief system which is totally bizarre and made up by somebody who was probably on drugs. So that was thrown in there and crazy like some of the other crazy teachings. But this would have been a good place here to actually look at identifying as a chapter break. So let's go ahead and close here and we'll get back into chapter 2 next time. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for your word. It is so awesome. When we look in there and look into some of the details and find the message you want us to have, we can really see the clear understanding of your message. Help us always have that burning desire to do that. Lead, guide, direct us always that we cherish the moments that we have to study your word. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.